0: Well, before uh, the service this morning, I was doing something that I have has become a habit of mine since uh, since COVID. Uh, I discovered uh, during COVID that I had a lot of time to kill on Sunday mornings when I didn't have to be at church at 9:15, and just sitting around in my apartment wasn't helping me any. So I decided to get out, and I, I discovered uh, a lot of of beautiful areas of the Twin Cities area that I was not aware of. Beautiful parks, beautiful walks, beautiful nature. And so I was out this morning in uh, the Minnesota River Valley uh, wildlife uh, area uh, over there by the airport. And that was a a beautiful time for a nice walk in nature. And I was wondering why there was nobody else out there. And then once I got down to the level of the river, you, you park up above on the bluffs, Once I got down below and I was greeted by just swarms of flies, I I started to understand why. There were no people around, and so I was the only item on the menu, and that that kind of put a negative twist on nature and my enjoyment of it. Nevertheless, though, I found this to be a very great aid to me on Sunday mornings because I find, and perhaps you find as well, that there's an incredibly beautiful spiritual aspect at times to being out in nature. Uh, To being, uh, one just feels closer uh, to God as you are surrounded by his handiwork. And it it is almost impossible not to admire and be in awe of God when you are considering his creation that he has uh, placed in order. And I think it's been mentioned before that really all it takes to be able to truly worship God is even to understand and study one specific aspect of nature. And so when you are surrounded by nature and when you are seeing uh, the, the creatures, when you are seeing the trees, when you are feeling uh, the aspect of being in nature, well, it's, it's difficult to not uh, be grateful, to not appreciate, uh, appreciate God's wonder. Uh-huh. Perhaps it's a little bit easier during this time of year when I'm, when I'm going on these walks during the winter. It's a little bit more difficult when all you're seeing is the, uh, is the wonder of, of white precipitation covering everything else and the wonder of pain receptors in your toes telling you about the cold. But nonetheless... I think each one of us has had an experience, and perhaps a recent experience, of being out in nature and of just appreciating God's goodness as a result. And I think, therefore, it's fitting that we are in the Psalms in our uh, daily Bible reading calendar. Because the Psalms have a variety of different themes, but one certainly of the main themes is how uh, nature reflects on uh, our understanding and appreciation of God and his power. And when I was reading Psalm 8, and generally uh, uh, what I find helpful, especially with the Psalms, is I have the Alexander Scorby uh, app, which you can it will read uh, various parts of the Bible to you. And I, I just appreciate hearing the Psalms uh, because they're very musical and lyrical. But what I found in, in getting ready for this uh, this uh, this message is that there's a uh, there's a a bit of a trap that I sometimes fall into with seeing the psalms purely as musical, seeing the psalms purely as worshipful. Perhaps you have dealt with this yourself, and seeing it being stirred by the psalms, having one's Feelings and emotions stirred by the psalms and uh, being uplifted by the psalms and not really Understanding the the deeper truths that are contained therein because the psalms are not simply uh, Stories uh, or sorry. They're not simply songs, but they are also representations of truth as well and very deep truth that has application sometimes again uh, we can read the psalms and not get a lot of application. We can read the Psalms and just say, oh, God is good. Amen. Selah. And move along. And yet I found here in Psalm chapter 8 that there is some truth here that I think is, uh, was uh, brought to mind a couple of different, I think, applications that uh, are useful, I think, in the Christian walk that made me uh, stop and think a bit and I hope Uh, will be a blessing to you. So before we get into these, uh, let's pray and ask God's blessing on this time together tonight. Lord, I thank you for the wonder of your creation. I thank you for the wonder of your heavens, the wonder of earth. Lord, even though creation has been, uh, is fallen and has been marred by our sin and the entry by our sin of death into the world, and yet, Lord, there's much beauty, there's much glory that is reflected on you, the creator, by your creation. Lord, I pray that as we, uh, like David, glorify you for your creation, Lord, that our hearts would also be uh, turned towards you, and Lord, that we would understand and apply the lessons that you have for us out of this passage tonight. In your name, amen. Well, again, we are speaking about the topic of creation, and we see that uh, David's heart is just overflowing in this psalm, Psalm 8. Uh, he is considering the glory of God's creation and he's just overwhelmed. And the first thing that I want to uh, talk about that I think is very important for us is to understand the connection between creation and creator. Now the first way that we could go with this and i think it is a valid way to go with this is that of course this particular aspect of god's glory and god's uh, testimony his 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 word and message to man that is contained in creation is of course under attack in our day and age and of course it would be easy to stop there it could be be very simple to preach an entire sermon about how the devil desires nothing more than to excise God from creation, to instead uh, understand creation in a purely material sense, in a purely scientific sense, and therefore remove God from it. And of course, the devil wants to do this because he wants to excise God from the minds and hearts of human beings. And yet, we see throughout the Scripture how many different places creation is one of the loudest and strongest testimonies for not simply God's existence, but also his power, his glory, and his plan for man. We see that throughout Scripture. In fact, we, uh, as I was speaking about recently at prayer meeting, we see that as a basis for a salvation message by the Apostle Paul to the Athenians. Paul, one of the things he realizes, is as directed by the Holy Spirit, is all of the ways he was ministering prior to that in various synagogues, reasoning from the law about Jesus Christ as the Messiah, that would be unavailing when speaking to Greeks, when speaking to Stoics and Epicureans, who were not familiar with the Jewish law, and even if they were familiar with it, wouldn't care one bit what it had to say. They did not accept it as an uh, evidence of who God was or what his plan was for man. And so therefore, delving into the law, into the Old Testament, would be unavailing. And therefore, Paul directs them to aspects of their worship that he had always seen, aspects of their uh, idol worship that he had observed, but also directs them to the fact of creation, the fact of human existence, and the fact of natural existence as evidence for God and for aspects of his nature, not simply his created nature, but his divine nature. And we see that reflected throughout scripture. We see that certainly reflected perhaps most in the Psalms as David is constantly Uh, consistently directing his heart and the heart of those who are singing along with him to God's divine nature as reflected in his created nature. So we as Christians believe in a God who created all things. That is something that we believe in and we believe that this reflects the divine uh, purposes and divine mercies and blessings of God. We see this reflected in the very first uh, verse of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. David is saying your name, your reputation, your very existence is demonstrated by your glory reflected in the earth and in the heavens. Now, uh, I'm not sure if some of you are, have been following this news. I would encourage you to go look it up if you have any interest in such things. But the James Webb Space Telescope has started to broadcast pictures back of the limits of uh, the universe that can be seen right now. And they're, they're truly glorious. I think there's four pictures that have now been sent back. And it is expected to have enough fuel to send pictures back for 20 years and I, I again, I would encourage you, I think that was just in the last week that the first pictures came out, and it's, it's truly remarkable. It's incredible to see, uh, I don't remember how many hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million miles away from Earth it is, in orbit of Earth, a million miles away, taking pictures uh, of parts of the universe that have never been seen before. And it, it's, it's really remarkable. But when you see pictures of space, either from a telescope, that, was, that is orbiting Earth from a million miles away or even from Earth with an incredible telescope. I've seen some pretty amazing pictures that people have taken through a telescopic lens with their iPhone, just putting right up, which I've always, my $35 uh, telescope from Amazon does not cut it. Uh, that doesn't get the, uh, the job done. But truly amazing pictures that people have taken. Well, it really, I think certainly should, and it does for me, directs our understanding to the greatness and vastness of God's creation. And frankly, I think for many, it uh, also brings back not just the vastness of God's creation, but our comparative insignificance in terms of our size in the vastness of the universe. For some people, people who don't believe in God, this is a very perhaps terrifying aspect. We are in cold, vacuum, black space, hurtling through space, and we are part of this galaxy, and yet there are so many billions upon billions, billions times billions of stars that are out there in galaxies and things of this nature, and we're on this This one little rock in the middle of it. It's terrifying for some people. And yet, I think each one of us, even as believers in God and his creation, if we're in a place with sufficiently low light pollution and seeing the stars uh, spread out against the sky, are just struck with awe at how much there is out there and our comparatively small place in it. And this should bring us to the first truth. The fact is that our understanding of creation, our understanding of God's incredible plan and his incredible uh, work, which we see reflected from the large scale uh, of the universe to the very small scale of uh, just the most infinitesimal uh, life, uh, life on earth, This ought to prompt us to glorify God and humble ourselves. This is something that we see, I think, reflected very well in Job. We are in Psalms, but we just recently came out of Job. Job has been, uh, he was a just man. Uh, He was walking properly and correctly before God. He is nonetheless tested, and as his true friends, again, uh, in reading Job this time, I was struck by the fact that these are true friends of his. They sat in silence for seven days. I don't know that I'm true enough friends with any of you to sit in silence for seven days. I think that would be pretty tough for me. Uh, But these are true friends, and they are speaking things that are generally truth. They're simply misapplying it to Job, and we see with their influence— Job, in self-defense, gradually is pushed more and more into error in self-defense. But what is it that God does to correct Job? We see, starting in chapter 38, that it's almost entirely God speaking to Job about nature, about creation. God is... Uh, illustrating his existence, his omniscience and his omnipotence by directing Job to nature. Do you understand this aspect of nature? Could you have created this aspect of nature? Could you have done this? Can you understand this? And Job, of course, is completely unable to do so. And what it prompts in Job is the correct response to a true understanding of God's creation. We see this in chapter 42 of Job. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. We see a humble Job when he is confronted by the awesomeness of God's uh, nature revealed to him. A humble Job who understands God's incredible power and his own weakness. This is what nature ought to prompt in us, is humility. This is uh, uh, a humility that, and we will cover this next, but a humility that is properly tied to awe and respect of the Lord. There's Again, there is a, uh, a worldly aspect of this, a, godly, a godless aspect of this, in which it is not humility, but a type of nihilism. In this entire incredible empty galaxy that is so massive, what does it matter at the end of the day in this brief, time that I'm on earth if I do something bad that makes me feel happy. My existence is in the, the uh, going to be over in the blink of an eye, and the, these light specks hitting my eyes are hitting me from hundreds of millions of light years away, and there's no point to trying to live by uh, God's principles. There are people that do that, and yet we see in Job, the correct humility, a humility which acknowledges God's glory and humbles ourselves before him. Well, this uh, truth about God's power and his awesome work and this reaction, this humility, ought to prompt in us two different aspects of application. The first, of course, is that it ought to prompt in us the application of a proper understanding of God's awesome power. And this is something that, challenges the growing uh, and in some cases established orthodoxy excising God and his power from our natural world. And we as Christians ought to stand up against this. There's another aspect of this that this also ought to uh, uh, bring back to us as well, which is a perhaps more uh, pernicious, A falsehood that can uh, tend to creep into our thinking and that is a belief or a thinking uh, that God's hands are tied by human action or inaction. When we consider the heavens, we, we heard about this from Kevin this morning in the call to worship, when we consider the ordered vastness of the universe, when we consider the incredible beauty and design of nature. And not only ought to fill our hearts with awe and gratitude for God's incredible work of creation, it also ought to remind us about God's incredible power and plan. It ought to increase our faith. When we see how God has managed to simply by virtue of speaking it into existence, created this incredibly vast uh, uh, field of time and matter, and then has also, on this tiny little blue speck, created such an incredible rich diversity of life and uh, flora and fauna. It ought to remind us that the things that we worry about are, in fact, completely, completely wrong to be anxious about. If God can create things of this magnitude, of this precision, of this detail, if God's eye is, in a word, on the sparrow, we know we need not fear that things are getting out of his control. This is the more... uh, Religious or seemingly holy trap that we can fall in. We may be able to reject, oh yes, the reject the falsehood. Yes, we don't believe that uh, in a random chance we believe that God created all things. And yet sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that things are spinning out of God's control. That things are going downhill. That things are about to uh, uh, go to Uh, destruction and God is not able to handle it we would never speak those words of course however we can uh, by our actions and by our attitudes give that give that impression and of course that is wrong that is a falsehood that we see by our review and our uh, experience of God's creation Uh, it is demonstrated to be false Uh, But not simply worry and uh, anxiety and lack of faith can be uh, dealt with by reviewing creation. Other false ideas of God can also be dispensed with by reviewing creation. We see this reflected again in Job. We see this in Job that he was starting to uh, feel what kind of way? He was starting to feel as if he could, in the, in the argot of our time, step to God. That he was going to be able to confront God and call him to account. Now this falls into another uh, uh, dangerous uh, lie that again can also be remedied by reviewing uh, creation. Job was beginning to think that God's plan was related specifically his action. And we see this with Job. Job is saying, I have a perfect understanding of how God's justice ought to operate. And God's justice is operating wrongly. And therefore, I'm able to call him to account. And of course, God, in correcting him, by demonstrating nature, said, my ways are so far above your ways that you cannot understand them, and Job's response was humility, was abasement. Uh, In other words, another lie, another falsehood that creation ought to uh, puncture in our hearts is self-centeredness or self-dependence. There's one, again, way that one can look at the at the uh, creation and God as the creator and God's omnipotence and his incredible plan. And that's to look at uh, things as out of God's control. Things are going, uh, God will not be able to preserve this. The foundations are about to be destroyed. What will the righteous do? Flee as a bird. To our mountain, that is the one uh, way of. That's the one false way of looking at it. But there's a different false way of looking at it, which is, God is so in control that all I can do is sit and suffer the uh, uh, the blows of fate, and just see how the dice rolls end up in regards to me. Belief in God as a kind of distant. All-powerful writer figure who is simply putting things down, and we are simply existing and seeing what fate has in store of us, a store for us. Well, we see this punctured in this psalm as well, because we are seeing and seeing on display God's incredible uh, beauty in His creation, and yet we also see a personalized God. We see a God who cares about mankind. A God who has created all of this incredible, incredible vastness and yet personally cares about each one of us. Again, in verse 3 we see reflected the humility that we ought to have. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Again, think of the vastness reflected here. Uh, uh, The stars themselves, uh, when you read about them, it causes your head to spin. I'm not sure if any of you have ever seen their uh, YouTube videos that compare the size of the earth to various celestial bodies and then keeps drawing out and you see, all right, the sun is this many earths, and then this star is this many suns, and you keep going out and out, and it, it's, it's truly remarkable uh, and, uh, again, a bit head-spinning to see the scope of the universe and the scope of some of these stars. But when you see these things, He says in verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? The humility that comes here is an understanding that I am insignificant. I am dust. I am grass in terms of the length of my time on this earth. I am dust in terms of my significance in comparison to creation. This is a useful thing for us to be reminded of. Uh, it's a useful thing to be reminded of when we get a little self-centered when we get a little bit of a little bit self-dependent that we are dust. And David is truly, truly aware of this. He is saying, look at the heavens, look at the stars, look at the moon. Frankly, look at creation on earth itself when you're seeing the ocean, or you're seeing mountains, or you're seeing some great forest, or you're seeing some great uh, 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 aspect of animal life, it ought to prompt this question in us. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? But he answers that question. God does, in fact, visit, and he has made us a little lower than the angels, and has crowned us with glory and honor. What do we see reflected here? A gratitude for the place that God has given us. We are insignificant. We are from a purely natural perspective, not uh, incredible creatures compared to some of the uh, amazing abilities of some of the other animals on this planet. And yet, God has crowned us with glory and honor. What is that glory and honor? Is that in our physical bodies? No, he has crowned us with glory and honor in the sense of giving us an eternal soul, an eternal soul that is in the likeness of God that is created in the image of God and that uh, can be glorified by being united with God's Holy Spirit. This is something that he has crowned us with and this is something that ought to take us from feeling insignificant to being filled with gratitude that we have undeservingly been so almightily blessed by an almighty God with his attention to us and with his glorifying of us. But this does not come simply with uh, the, uh, this blessing of glory, it also comes with responsibility. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. God has made creation not simply to uh, cause our hearts to be glad, not simply to cause our hearts to be grateful, not simply to cause our hearts to wander, but he has also given it to to us to manage. And so this is something. God has given us a great uh, opportunity. He's given us great responsibility. And therefore, this uh, uh, puts the lie to this concept of us simply existing in a clockmaker's universe, something that has been foretold and foreset before time began that we have no function in. God has given us responsibility. God has given us the ability uh, to Uh, work in his harvest field. This is something that ought to fill our hearts with gratitude and joy, but also a sense of responsibility. And so what are the applications from this aspect? This aspect not simply the humility, but the understanding of a God who is not only king of the universe, creator and designer of the universe, but is also one uh, a God that has chosen us that has chosen us to have a wondrous part in the work and the designed drama that he has caused to play out uh, and that we are a part of. Well, this ought to fill our hearts, as I said, uh, not only with the awe and wonder that come from simply beholding a creation, not only for the renewed faith that a God who is this powerful, that is this wise, that is this uh, uh, detailed, the, uh, the faith that we can have in his perfect plan for our lives, but also a desire that we might ourselves reflect and carry out God's plan as he reveals it to us and as he empowers us to do it. Now, I think each one of us, perhaps, has not only seen aspects of uh, uh, God's great creation reflected and it has caused our heart a lot of joy. But we have also seen aspects in which something that was beautiful from creation has been ruined by man. I, I When I go on, go on walks, it is kind of amusing to me sometimes and also a little bit saddening to see great uh, rock cliffs and great beautiful aspects of nature that people have been spray painting on or There's a variety of trash sitting around, and you say, well, this is something that would be such a beautiful aspect of nature, and yet we see uh, man's carelessness, man's uh, lack of uh, uh, love for God's creation has led to a uh, lack of stewardship, and has led to a lack of respect for creation. I think each one of us, perhaps, has had experiences with that, where they say, boy, there was There is great beauty here that God created and that God entrusted to man and man is doing a proper job of messing it up. And so it ought to uh, uh, cause us to feel this responsibility, feel this desire to work in uh, and along the lines of God's plan for us. But it also, I think, also ought to, as we go forward, uh, as we are experiencing and appreciating God's love for us, continue to uh, direct us back to that awe that we have, ought to have. We see throughout Scripture the necessity of the fear of the Lord as an aspect of wisdom. Now, I think the fear of the Lord, uh, in terms of respect and awe for God and His power, is perhaps best uh, best experienced in nature. You have a true understanding and respect for God when you start to experience the power of and uh, uncontrollability by man of nature. If you are out on a, a very high sea and there's a lot of uh, wave action or simply if you go on YouTube and see what a 80 to 90 or 100 foot wave looks like and the power that it has, you say, wow! God's creation that he has created, his nature, is so powerful. And this is simply a tiny little aspect on a tiny little uh, fleck of dust in the scope of God's creation. When you read about some other planets, when you read about other planets and what those look like, God created those. Just because God's focus is on us on earth doesn't mean that God did not create those planets and the incredibly strange and bizarre to us uh, states of being that they exist in. Uh, We have an appreciation and awe for God's work and a respect for his power when we uh, experience experience his creation. And we see this uh, uh, awe that we ought to have, this fear of the Lord that ought to be produced by this respect, respect, set forth throughout Scripture. There's, I would go through, and we could do a sword drill, of how many different ways the, uh, the work of God in creation is something that is used by Scripture to direct our hearts heavenward, to direct our thoughts heavenward, and direct ourselves to a true, humble understanding of where we ought to be. But I think each one of you can think of many different examples uh, uh, throughout Scripture in which we are consistently reminded of God's power and God's power over nature. There's a reason that Jesus Christ, one of the uh, uh, one of his calling cards, one of the demonstrations of his divinity was his power over the forces of nature that even to this day we cannot control. His ability to tell uh, uh, raging storms to peace be still, something that we are not able to do today. His, uh, his demonstration of his power over nature, and again, just that is, uh, in the vast scope of things, so small and so simple, and yet it is a demonstration of his power. And so what is the application to us as we go forward uh, uh, tonight into our week? Well, the first thing, as I mentioned, uh, is a proper understanding of God. A proper understanding of God. This is very important to us because how we understand God, how we know God, what we understand his nature to be is very essential. And there's nothing the devil loves more than to twist and corrupt our understanding of God. And each one of us, I think, can much more easily see how this occurs in other people or other forms of theology. Oh man, their experience of God, their understanding of God, perhaps as a form of uh, uh, just uh, uh, Santa Claus who just gives you uh Good gifts on earth, whenever you ask for it, if you are sufficiently faithful, that is a misunderstanding of God. Or God uh, purely as some sort of cruel tyrant or God as whatever uh, misunderstandings of God exist. And there are many. And yet we ourselves can fall into misunderstandings of God and his uh, place in the universe if we focus too much on any one aspect of his character. If we focus purely on God as the creator... We would miss God as our Father. We would miss God's personal uh, care and desire to uh, to bless us and to know us. We see that both of these aspects of God's character reflected here in Psalm eight, and we cannot lose either one of them. And so, therefore, we must understand God—God God as all-powerful, as omniscient, as so uh, as. Uh, uh, a being who has created all things, things beyond any possible understanding of any human being, uh, much as we might try and as many strides as we may make in understanding creation, there's still much that is beyond our understanding or our uh, knowledge. We need to understand that awesome aspect of God in, the terms, of, in terms of literally uh, awful, full of awe, uh, uh, his aspect of his nature. We must also understand his care for us. It's been mentioned before, but I think it is true that one of two ways that we uh, receive a uh, so many sins of uh, our perspective come from either uh, losing faith in God or losing our understanding of God's love for us. We think either God cannot help us or we think that God does not desire to help us. And both of these uh, can lead to great issues. And we see both of them uh, uh, specifically addressed head on here in Psalm 8. We see how powerful God is, and we see his care for us. And so when we go forward, when we, as we walk through our Christian walk, we must always keep this proper perspective, not simply in an academic sense, Yes, I believe that God created all things, but also with all of the wonder, all of the awe that that comes with it. Our heart should be frequently turned to God by the things that we observe in his creation, by the ways in which uh, uh, all of these good things have been created uh, and uh, by God and that bless us with. But we also ought to remember as well that as he has created all of these great things, he has not withdrawn He has not withdrawn himself, but remains in desire to communicate with us and to be known by us. And this, in turn, will create in our hearts, if we are truly being filled with the Spirit, and our understanding of God as reflected in his scriptures is being directed by the Spirit, it will fill our hearts with a proper humility, a proper understanding of our insignificance, really in the, in the order of the universe, the insignificance of our own power, of our own pomp, of our own glory, of our own pride. It ought to, uh, uh, our own understanding of what we think God ought to do in our life, it ought to create in us uh, and reinforce in us that proper perspective. But it also ought to uh, create in us an incredible gratitude that the God who has Uh, so marvelously uh, performed this work of his hands uh, cares about us. It also ought to create in us a sense of responsibility to ones who have been entrusted with such great uh, uh, and important duties as uh, prescribed by God. I've often thought that it, would have, that it must have been an incredible responsibility to be in the Garden of Eden and be set over all of these wondrous aspects of creation. But yet we as human beings have a responsibility that is given to us by God. And that is something that when we see God's creation and the beauty of his creation ought to fill our uh, hearts with a responsibility, a feeling of duty uh, to uh, proceed as he has done and to walk in his ways. So, as we go out tonight, listen, there's probably too much light pollution to get much of the stars tonight, and I think we missed the super amazing moon that was like last week. Every time, it feels like it's every couple of weeks that there's, this is the greatest moon of the year, you gotta see this moon, and they all, they all look pretty similar to me. But, you're still gonna be able to see some stars, I would assume. You're still going to be able to see aspects of God's creation, even in something as simple as a flower and a blade of grass and in some uh, some animal life, in trees. And each one of these things are things that ought to uh, lead to our hearts, as David's were, to be filled and overflowing with glory of God, for God, with humility, and with love and gratitude for God's work in our life. So let's close now with prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for your marvelous creation. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that it is to exist in this incredible universe, this universe that is so vast, this universe uh, that is so uh, incomprehensible, and yet, Lord, even this planet, which is so perfectly attuned to the needs that you know we have and is so, uh, is so gladdening to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for these things. And Lord, I thank you for what they reveal about your power and your plan for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust in that power and to trust in that plan. Lord, that, uh, I pray that you would help us to, uh, as you give us the power and as you give us the direction, to play our part that you have given us uh, as we walk forward in your word. In your name, amen.